chapter 8 is the second second story there. We're looking at uh, verse 5 through 13. And the main idea, again, is that uh, the man had a humble, confident faith in Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of use that uh, as a springboard, if you will, for these three applications that you see there. I'll make a couple of comments on each of them, and then we will look at some of these questions. And again, um, I hope that you will have something to add to our conversation tonight, but also if you have uh, an additional comment or question, love to hear that as well. So let's uh, look back at the, at the passage again. I'll read it for you. Matthew 8, 5. So um, again, and, and this kind of comes off of a conversation I was having with Pastor Sears after church uh, this morning. We don't know exactly, uh, I'm not, I don't know exactly the chronology of this, how it happened, because if you read it in Luke, as we did this morning, it happens at a different time frame. And Matthew is not particularly trying to get the timing of this story right. He's taking this story and throwing it in there uh, to highlight what happened, not that it was going on in this particular order. So there's a reason that he put these in there in that way. So we won't go back and read the Luke account, but, you, but it would be helpful if you haven't, or if you want to read it again to gather, gather more of the details. Let's, let me, I'll start reading now. Matthew 8, 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord... My servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word. This is, the, the, this is kind of the, the main uh, emph- emphatic uh, statement of the uh, whole paragraph there. Only say the word, my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority, with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this. He marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed that very moment. So uh, three applications here that we can gather. And as I said, from uh, we'll start off at that, um, that main statement that he said that highlighted his great humility and his great, but more, off, more so his great faith. And so number one, it is that um, we can gain from this passage that God's word can be trusted. Now, the man here was showing an ultimate faith and trust in what Jesus said, and we definitely will you know, take the words of red in our, in our Bibles and say, yes, those can be trusted, but we recognize that all of this book is God's Word. And so we, we can trust that God's Word is true. It is faithful. Uh, and so, therefore, we ought to read it. <laughs> we ought to study it. We ought to get to know it because... It is God's word. They are Jesus's words. And the man in this story, the centurion, placed such great faith in the authority that God's word had or the authority of Jesus's words that he said, Jesus, I recognize that your authority is so powerful that all you have to do is say the servant will be healed and he will be healed. You don't have to be there to touch him. You don't have to perform any kind of... uh, um, 
ceremony. All you have to do is say the word. He will be healed. That is authority. That is power. That is, but that's the same power that said, let there be light, and there was light. That's the same word that said, uh, that, that spoke the whole creation into existence. And so everything God did in creation was by His word, and it shows that authority uh, of His word. And the, the centurion here, through, I think, revelation of the Spirit of God, told, you know, showing him this, this one, this Jesus that you've heard about, He has authority. And I, I read that quote from Calvin this morning uh, that, that says that because he could do these things, he, had, he must have supreme authority, higher than Caesar, higher than Rome. This is, this is beyond mortal men. This is divine. This is uh, God-given God authority. And so, we have the words of God. Likewise, we can recognize that they, have, they carry authority. They ought to contain. They ought to carry the supreme authority for us. We ought to recognize this as these are the words that we live by. I mean, Jesus told, uh, quoted Deuteronomy, and he said, "Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." And so th- these are the words that we that we hold to and say, "This is the guide for living. This is this is the do's and the don'ts. If it says do it, I do it. If it says don't, I don't." And 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 I use the principles. Uh, that it teaches for the for the rest of every for the rest of it, and so uh, we ought to. That means we ought to read it. We ought to study it because John tells us that his word is truth. John seventeen seventeen. Sanctify them with the truth. Thy word is truth. And so we are sanctified by the words of God. We are given the truth with the words of God. John five thirty nine. Jesus told uh, the Pharisees. He says, uh, "You search the scriptures because you in them you think you have eternal life." But then he says, but they are those which testify of me. And so when Jesus says, if you want to turn over there, I'll, I'll show you just uh, for a second. John 5.39. He was uh, trying, to, uh, trying to help the uh, Pharisees to understand what they were, their, uh, how they were missing important uh, information. And there's a whole uh, discourse here with them. But just, uh, just look in J- chapter 5 and verse number 39. And he's talking about the relationship that he has with the Father. And how they don't, they, they kind of want to accept the Father, but not Him. But He says in verse 39, You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness of me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. So they can, had tried to isolate Jesus from the Scriptures. And so they're taking the Old Testament, they're taking the law, and trying to gain salvation, God's favor through the law. And Jesus is saying, they testify of me. And so you, you embrace the Scriptures, but then you, you don't come to me. We as Christians, we have come to Christ. That's what a Christian is. When he's come to Christ, we ought to also search the Scriptures. We also ought to know what they say, as, as, as Paul uh, wrote to Timothy, study to show yourself approved unto God. Uh, because they are the authority of Christ. They testify of Jesus. The Scriptures are God's authority. And uh, the writer of the Hebrews said uh, in uh, Hebrews 4.17 that the Word of God is quick and powerful. It means it doesn't mean it's fast. It means it, it makes alive. It is alive. It is alive and it is active. It is doing things. And, and sometime you should read through Hebrews 4.12 and see all of the different descriptions of the Word of God and, and, and all the power that is contained within them. Uh, and, and so we, ought to, we, ought to kind of re- we need to recognize that. 
that the Word of God is, is, is very special. It's very powerful. It is very important to a Christian. So we, when we read it, can trust it to be true. We can uh, trust it to be helpful to us. Uh, these aren't just stories. These aren't just um, pithy little sayings that, oh, that's cute. I, I, I'll put that on a, on a, on a, I'll crochet that on a pillow or uh, paste that on someone's coffee mug. And, and uh, that, that sounds nice. Uh, these, there's more to it than that. And these aren't just some man's ideas or a group of old men's ideas. These are the very words of God. And we ought to keep that in the, at the forefront of what we believe. But also we can trust then that it is effective in our lives. If the Bible says do this and I do this, it's going to make a difference. And if the Bible says don't do this and I don't do it, it's also going to make a difference. And likewise, if the Bible says do or don't and I don't do or I do, I do the opposite of what it says, that's going to make a big difference too. These aren't suggestions. These aren't, well, there's, this is one way to live. This is the way to life. And so we ought to uh, we ought to take God's word and, and really put it up on on the highest pedestal. This is this is the highest. This is the standard, and this is what I use uh, in my to, to guide my life. What did, what did the psalmist say? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It is what guides me and shows me where to go. Uh, I could go without the light, but I'm going to stub my toe and fall and get hurt and walk into the wall and walk off a cliff. But the Word guides me. It's what keeps me on the right path. It's what keeps me from danger. It's what illumines my life. We likewise need to uh, have that mentality when it comes to the Word of God. But then number two, and it kind of pings off of the first one, if we, we can trust God's Word, which means we need to read God's Word, but then, so when we read it and when we study it, number two, we need to believe it. Our part is to simply believe God's Word. Now, I'm, what I mean by that is, we don't come to the Word of God and decide what is truth. We just say, that's the Word, that's truth. We don't take our beliefs and the Scriptures and say, okay, how am I going to fit that into what I believe? What we do is we say, here's what I believe. Throw that out the window. What does this say? Now over time, as you get what you believe from there, you'll find that sometimes you have this idea that you think is scriptural and then the scripture seems to contradict it i'm not saying you, you throw everything out and you never believe anything uh I'm, I'm not i'm not trying to go there what i'm saying is we ought to take the word of god and let the bible speak for itself let the bible tell us what it means and sometimes we read scriptures that seem to they really contradict what we've always believed have you ever read something like that like you've read something you come across a truth in the scripture that has i guess it's always been there because they don't keep changing you know what is in the bible but I somehow I've missed that, and I've always believed this, and then I read, I read the Scriptures here, and I think, oh, wow. What do you do then? What do you do when God's Word contradicts what you believe about something? Do you change what you believe? Or do you say, well, I'm going to... And you kind of excuse the Scriptures in certain ways. Uh, at the very least, we ought to make that a, a, a point of study and, and research and say, okay... God seems to say something different than what I believe. I need to make sure that I've got it right. I need to make sure that I'm, I'm, getting this, I'm getting this correct. So our part is to humbly believe God's Word. Just like the centurion. The centurion knew that God was faithful to His Word. He could be trusted. If He said it would happen, it would happen. And he just simply believed. 
In fact, as we read Luke's story, we realize that the centurion really never even encounters Jesus. He sends elders of Israel to talk to Jesus. Then he sends um, friends of his to go and talk to Jesus. So I'm imagining the centurion kind of just sitting at this boy's bedside the entire time, waiting to see what will happen. And the moment that boy is healed, he knew Jesus did something. He was never even here, and yet he made all the difference in this boy's life. Strengthened his faith, you know that it, and you know that it did. And, and, and uh, I wonder if he went and chased Jesus down after that to thank him. I don't know how that, how that all played out. Uh, so uh, when we read the Bible, we should believe the Bible. We need to take hold of its truths and, and rely on them. This is why it is so important that we diligently search the Scriptures that we learn the Scriptures because they are God's words. They are the truth of God. And so uh, it seems to be kind of one of the most simple things that we hear uh, in church and in Bible study sometimes. Read the Bible. Get into, your, get into the Bible and read it and study it and, 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 and try to learn what it's saying and, and try to make application of it. And don't just, don't just read little verses or little, you know, little, little picking little coffee cup phrases out read the whole thing and try to understand what is it saying here and read entire books of the bible and read and read an entire uh, uh read entire chapters and, and not just the chapter but the whole book and, and and read the whole bible and try to see how all of it ties in to uh, to to each other and, and and see what does god have for me here when you come to church when you sit under any type of preaching or teaching uh listen and pay attention and, and take notes and figure out what is going on here what do I need to get from this? And there are so many resources that we have available to us in this time that help us learn the Bible better. We don't just have the Bible to read and figure out for ourselves. We have centuries of people who have studied it and devoted their lives to studying it and have recorded what they have learned to help us learn it even better and to really gather what's, what's going on in the Scriptures. Read it. Find Find something that works for you. I've, I've been talking to some people recently and, and just trying to get that one thing across. Read your Bible. What are you reading? And, and it's, well, it's hard to get into the routine. I know, but do something about it. Get, get into the Bible. Get it on your phone and read a little bit every day. Listen to it. Uh, listen to just a few minutes of it every day or whatever it may be that you need to, whatever you need to do to get into a habit of Bible study, Bible reading, do it. Make it a priority in your life because this is what God wrote. And if God wrote something, imagine if you got a letter from your hero, whoever that may be. How long would you wait to read it? If, if you know, they found some long lost letter from, you know, let's say, what if they said uh, that they just found uh, a long-lost letter from George Washington that he had written to the American people of the 21st century. And it was put out there, and it was a lengthy one. It was long. It had 66 books in it, and, and it was really, really long. How long would it take you to read it? I mean, I would want to know what the founding father wanted us to know from back then. Well, how much more important is God's letter to us? for us, for this day and time. And, it, and it's not just, here's some things I want you to know, but here's what you need to know to live. Here's what you need to know to get, get it through life on. So, number one, God's Word can be trusted. We need to 
we need to get that settled in our hearts. But number two, we need to believe God's word as we read it. And then number three, and this doesn't really ping off of the first two, but it really goes with what the centurion did. We must never forget how we entered the kingdom. Uh, we never want to find ourselves becoming like the Pharisees who thought that they kind of just got born into the kingdom. And every time I said that this week as I was writing it down, I think I thought about the fact that we use the terminology, we, we did get born into the kingdom. We were born again into the kingdom. But, and so that's not what I'm talking about when they, they assume that they were born into the kingdom. They assume that because they were Jews, they had a pass. They got in because they were, that we're, we live in the district, Jesus. And so you're going to let us, uh, we, we get to go to the kingdom because we belong to uh, Abraham's ancestral line. But that's, that's totally not true. And Jesus begins to pick this apart in their, uh, in their thinking. And the story of the centurion is really one of those stories that begin to open up and help us to see and really help them to see because the Gentile inclusion really hadn't been a thing yet. And so, excuse me, they get to see, you know what? These Gentiles are getting in and they're getting in just by believing. They're getting in for free. They don't have to do all these things that we do. I wonder if how many Jews started going, why do we got to do all these things? I wonder if they started started start clicking like, if they're getting in for that, I wonder if we can get in just to do that. And then you know, putting all these stories together and finally people like Paul coming along and really helping them to understand, yes, the Old Testament is true and here's how it relates to today and here's what it means for us. And no, these things are no longer uh, necessary and these things aren't important in, in, uh, to get into heaven. They, they, they mean something, they're significant, but they, they, they point us to that day. Uh, we... Uh, we as Gentiles of the 21st century must remember how we enter the kingdom. I want to take you to uh, something that Paul wrote. So Romans chapter 11, please. If you'll go there, we'll make that our last place to look. Uh, Romans chapter 11. Before I read that, though, uh, let me make a couple more statements. We need to recognize every day our inability to please God on our own. Somehow, in the minds of Christians, we, at the point of salvation, we say, okay, God, I need you. I cannot save myself. And we, we come into the kingdom and then we somehow think that now, God, I got it from here. Like a little kid learning to ride his bike. And Dad's holding the seat, holding the handlebars and helping little Junior get down, the, get down the driveway or whatever. What does every little kid do at some point? Okay, Dad, I got this thing. And so then Dad, let's go. And then what does every little kid do at some point? They crash because, you know, you don't got this thing yet. Or, you know, you sat on dad's lap and he let you drive. Uh, I saw a little kid yesterday. It reminded me of how unique Sherman is. I saw a kid couldn't have been five years old. He was driving a tractor up the sidewalk, pulling his three-year-old sister in the wagon. And dad was about 20 feet behind on his phone. And I thought, I'm glad my car is far enough away because he was driving right towards a bunch of cars here. And, and he just kept driving. He kept it straight. Uh, and and finally he stopped about 10 feet away from the first car and then he started doing that and uh, I thought no this is not good and then dad finally caught up to him and I thought wow only in Sherman right that doesn't happen anywhere else I guess uh, uh, and it only happens on Sherman day I guess here but um, you know we, we we when we sit there and we think okay I got this I can do this and then we find out when we hit a tree or when we hurt ourselves I don't got this. 
we as Christians, sometimes we think, okay, God, I got this. I got this Christian life thing down. I know all the facts. I've read the Bible. I go to Sunday school. I go to church. I know what I need to do, and I've got this. And we start trying to do Christianity all on our own, and we hit trees, and we hit other cars, and we hurt ourselves, and we hurt other people, and we mess things up, and we think, why isn't this thing working? It's because we're doing it ourselves. We're trying to do it on our own. Never forget how we got into the kingdom because the way you got in is the way you enjoy it. The way you got into the kingdom is the way that you live in the kingdom only by humble faith. It's only by humble faith that you enter. It's only by humble faith that you please God. That's why uh, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him at salvation and, at, and every moment afterwards. You do not live except by faith, right? The just shall live by faith. Now, let's look at Romans chapter 11. Uh, Romans 11, verse number 17. This is part of Paul's teaching to the Gentiles about how they got saved and how they got included into the kingdom. Uh, and, and he was talking about uh, uh, Israel at the beginning and, when, and a while before that. But then he makes some incredible statements here in verse number 17. So, Beginning in verse number 11, he starts talking about how the Gentiles get grafted in. And he's using these, uh, is that horticultural? Is that the right adjective? He's using these terms to help them to understand how they got brought into the kingdom. But verse number 17, he says, but if some of the branches were broken off, and he's talking about how Israel was part of the, they were branches, they were broken off so that the Gentiles could be grafted in. But if some of the branches were broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you, are, if you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief, but you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will He spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. Very, very powerful words that he's saying there. But, but what I want to point out to you there is that, that we as Gentiles, we get grafted in, and it was through faith. But they're, they're, we should never forget that we got in by grace, by faith. Hey, you're not, you're no one special because if God won't, if God broke off the, 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 the natural branches, what's stopping him from breaking off the unnatural branches, the ones that he grafted in himself? What, what broke them off? Lack of faith. What got us on? Faith. And so we must have faith. We must live by faith. We must constantly uh, re uh, remind ourselves. It's part of why we have the Lord's table to remind ourselves, I'm not here as a Christian in the kingdom because I earned it. In fact, everything I did disqualified me from being in the kingdom. I'm here because He let me in. I'm here because He saved me, He paid for me, and I'm here by His grace.